Welcome to the LI Law Podcast. We feature legal issues and developments which affect Long Island residents and business owners. I am your host, Sahaba Schechter. We hope everyone out there is feeling well and staying safe. Our guest on this 59th episode is Carl uh, Gerardo, community activist, Nassau County Corrections Officer, ex-captain in the Volunteer Fire Service, and a 9-11 hero. He is presently a trustee of the Franklin Square Public Library and holds or has held numerous positions in most of his community groups. Please check out the show notes for Carl's contact information and keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Carl, thanks for coming back to the podcast. So let's get started. In November 2021, Nassau County voters chose to return to Republican leadership in Nassau County, led by County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Laura Curran lost by a small margin, about 2,150 votes out of more than 280,000 votes cast. Clearly, every vote counts. So what changes are we seeing in local demographics? Is there voter apathy? And how does this affect the mask mandate here in Nassau County? Well, uh, you have a lot of questions. So the first thing I'd say is the the election, I believe, the fact that it was an off-year election, which is always lower turnout on the Democratic side. For example, on an off-year non-federal election, you get about 25% of uh, Democrats voting, where on a uh, Republican side, you get more than a third of re- registered Republicans come out and vote because the off-year elections are governed mainly uh, for their jobs because most Republicans work for the county, the town, or something like that. Now, on another, when you look at on a federal election year, presidential election year, Democrats come out probably close to 60% and Republicans roughly 50%. So you'll see right there that uh, Democrats look more towards the federal elections and less towards this. Okay, but wait, hold on. I want to stop you there for a second because I think that that's faulty thinking. I mean, if all politics are local and if the local politicians have a greater weight and effect on what we do in our personal lives, why these numbers seem pathetic to me. Why is it 25 percent or 50 percent? Where is everybody else and why aren't they voting? It depends. Well, it depends, because uh, like I had said previously on some of our other podcasts, a lot of um, people that vote. Uh, or don't vote, I should say, More only vote issues. So if there's no issue, they're not going to come out. So what happened on this particular one and why it was so close, even though they were predicting Laura Curran was going to win, was the fact the presidential election, Trump lost. So you had a lot of anger. You had a lot of people on that side that were had an issue and they wanted to you know, speak out and vote uh, for the first time, we had a lot more come out this time around because of the federal election. I feel if the presidential election had not changed, I think Laura Curran would have won. Because you saw how close it was, even when there was a specific issue. Now, when it comes to issues, I'll give you another example. The uh, you said it in the beginning. Another issue that people vote, regardless of which side of the aisle, was the mask in schools and everything else. So that most people will come out when they have, Democrats specifically, 
I feel come out when they have a issue that they have to vote on. Otherwise, you know, like most voters will just let things, as long as their water turns on, you know, the police come when they call and everything is okay, unless it affects them specifically. And specifically, it has to affect their pocketbook, which is taxes and uh, any, or in some cases, people believing their liberty and freedom is being, uh, taking advantage of. So that's what happened here. I think that I think there was a lot of issues that caused a little bit of a, you know, the perfect storm for Blakeman to win. Truthfully. Yeah, I, I think you brought up a really good point about their per, people vote their personal uh, liberties they, if they see an infringement. So let me play devil's advocate and ask you oh. if the Republicans cared enough to come out and vote and if studies show that most Republicans, at least in Nassau County, are against a mask mandate, which was enforced by our Democratic governor, um, then really we, we have nothing to complain about, right? Then then the people who vote should be able to put into, into power those who, um, who, who share their values. So Bruce Blakeman's rejection of, of Kathy Hochul's uh, mask mandate seems like a no-brainer. Am I wrong? Well, it, it's, I think it's a little uh, simplistic, sorry to say it that way, but what happens is um, people will vote, like I said, they will vote their issue. So he was able to uh, beat the bushes and, you know, speak the, uh, the party politic and got them riled up. Because if you look at most elections, and I'll use the last federal election as a perfect example, Democrats have always had an issue with messaging, Okay. Now, on the opposite side, the Republicans' message always is fear. If you look at the, the net, I don't know many policies. If you can enlighten me, I'd love to hear it. Policies they've put forward that did not start with a fear. I, I would argue a tax cut is not about a fear. Tax cut uh, is about, about fiscal responsibility. I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but that, yeah. has, that doesn't stem from fear. That's keeping more money in your pocket and because not allowing the government to uh, uh, increase or, or expand its social service network. But it starts with a fear. The fear is the government's going to take all your money. The assessment system was a perfect example. A perfect example in Nassau County of completely broken, completely broken. Yet what happened then was uh, Curran was attempting to fix it. It was a broken system. So what did they talk about? The same thing Don Claven talked about to get elected uh, to supervisor Tana Hempstead about assessment. He has nothing to do with assessment. They create a fear in hope to bring up that, get their base riled up to come out and vote. Same thing here. They talked about stuff that they did, that uh, fear of mask mandates and this, never how we're going to help. If you look at Curran, all her stuff was, and every Democrat mostly is, what are we going to do to fix it and make things better? The Republicans are always, if you elect these people, your taxes are going to go up. The they defund the police. They do. The they create a fear to make their voters come out. That's what I don't, do. I don't agree. I don't agree, Carl. And if and if anything, I think that Laura Curran, who is the one, by the way, before she left office. 
uh, she froze the assessments yet again. So she yes. did exactly what Mangano did. So to be honest, yes. I, I think all politicians want to just stay in power. Oh, and I, I, I don't think it's an issue of Democrat or Republican. What I would like to see is more responsible government. And within, with that, we're sure. going to segue to the next issue, which sure. deals with Nassau County appointees and ethical <laughs> considerations. So I'd like to focus on two controversial appointments made by the new county executive, Bruce Blakeman. One, Herbert Flores as head of the County Office of Hispanic Affairs and two, John Capice to run the Department of Consumer Affairs. So let's let's talk about Flores as background. Okay. As reported by Newsday, Flores was arrested in 2004 for taking part in a bribery scheme involving the sale of patient data from Nassau University Medical Center to personal injury lawyers. The allegation was that he gave the, the patient's information to his brother, Rafael Flores. Haven't we been here before with um, uh, Skilos who gave who gave uh, information and money for his for his brother, his son, excuse me. But anyway, yeah. his brother then sold it to the highest bidder according to the charges. That is, mm -hmm. a, a, a uh, they gave away private confidential patient information. Flores was sentenced in 2005 to 60 days in jail, that's two months, and five years probation on his plea. He pled guilty to a class D felony, mm -hmm. attempted bribery of a public servant. He pled guilty to that. Flores also had served, as I said previously, in Ed Edward Mangano's administration. So we have two, two administrations now, both Republican, where you have a convicted felon who admitted his guilt taking part. And the second problem, the second appointee, I should say, is, is that I want to discuss is John Capice, who led an effort to apprehend Randy White of Roosevelt after White testified in court against Andrew Hardwick, a former Freepoint, uh, Freeport Village mayor who was a third party candidate for Nassau County Executive. Now, if we've already lost our listeners, this has to do with arranging the, the field so that you would split the vote and the Republican would win. White testified he had been paid on a per signature basis for collecting signatures on behalf of Hardwick's behalf, which is illegal. It was alleged that Hardwick, why was he in the race? To take away votes from the Democrat, Thomas Swazi, who lost his challenge to GOP incumbent Ed Mangano in 2013. White was arrested on an outstanding warrant for failure to pay fines. And he said he was falsely detained and imprisoned and subjected to strip searches after he was handcuffed on a public bus in, in Hempstead Village. What happened in the meanwhile? Capice resigned. He was directly involved. He resigned from the police department in 2013. So before we get to you know, a lot of other issues, I want to focus on these two uh, candidates. Is it possible that we don't have worthy, honest, um, trust, you know, trusted? Uh, people out there. Why is Bruce Blakeman regurgitating old appointees who have pled guilty and been convicted of crimes? Because that's what he's being told to do. That's how I look at it. It's business as usual. If you look at the Mangano, Galata, all of them, they're always like, they always shake a recycling bin and bring back people that are party faithful. If they could, you know, they would bring back everybody that's from the Mangano administration that's been charged with something. 
I mean, let's look at today's paper. You just talked about Hardwick and Freeport. Nassau County just returned, um, what was it, the Cow Meadow Park back to the village of Freeport that the county has run for decades. Why? Why? Exactly. Why? Well, you know, people get their, you know, you rub my back, I'll rub your back kind of thing. There's no rhyme or reason to give it back other than that, I think, you know, it, it, it's, let's put it this way, Republicans and Democrats in some respects, but most, politi- most political things, things are so blatant, you, can't, you start to believe they can't be doing that for this reason or that reason, but they do. They just do it blatantly. And I think uh, a lot of it is one hand washing the other. Specifically with the uh, Blakeman's administration, I think as you look over time, the majority are going to be recycled. People that we've heard about, read about, more than likely, that have uh, done the job for either Galata or Mangano at some point. And that's just the way it, the way it should be. You, you see, know, I, I reject that. I reject that's the way it's going to be. I'll tell you why, Carl. Okay. Because there are people who are competent and trustworthy and honest and i want to know why they are not being appointed and it can't just be it can't just be that all politicians are bad and and i reject the fact that blakeman i'm not uh, you know i I don't want to talk about him personally but i know a man who want he won the county executive election he's got to be somewhat intelligent and as a result why would he put himself in this position? Why wouldn't he choose someone who's clean and who, who wouldn't, you know, cast a, a, a stain on his administration? <laughs> you know, this is a machine, right? A GOP machine. They do whatever their executive is telling them to do because jobs are online. I'll give you a perfect example. Wait, hold on. Who is the one? Who, who are you saying? If it's a machine, who is the one who's determining who the Cairo. are? Joe Cairo. He's in charge of the whole Republican Party. So he, he personally is hand point. You're saying he's. Oh, I, I can't. I can't say that. But let's give. I can't specifically say. But fingerprints are on it. You don't think anybody that's picked to be appointed to government isn't being signed off by their party? I mean, if you pull, up, pull up pull up these people, if you go onto the, on the on the uh, sites that show the amount of money people donate, put their names in. You'll see they donate regularly to their party. That every you'll never see anybody. Very rarely, I should say. I should never say never because never is never popular. But you'll you're more than likely not to see somebody that is good at the job getting the job. Okay, give you a perfect example. Uh, we had one of the worst Nassau County sheriffs in the hit of all the thirty years I've been with the county, uh, and that was Mike Spizzato. He was ousted. He was possible. Blakeman reappointed him as a deputy under uh, deputy under sheriff at the jail. He was the worst. He was uh, he was caught up with Mangano with contracts to get to certain vendors that would supply the jail. He had a lot of underhanded stuff, but he's back. They're all gonna come back. Everybody that was a that did wrong in Nassau County. I'm predicting now and we'll follow up in another podcast are gonna start to come back hold on isn't there some isn't there an ethical department in nassau county which which has to sign off what 
Is a board of ethics, yes. Yeah. So how are they signing off on these on these uh, appointees? Who appoints them? Oh, this is very depressing. Carl. The county executive and the majority <laughs> and the majority of the yeah, of the legislature, which is all Republicans. Come on, it's a fixed system. It doesn't oh, matter gosh. who's in charge. I, I'm hoping. Matter. I'm hoping someone's going to listen to this and and contact me and tell me no, I'm wrong. And that I would love to be wrong. These people who have been convicted of crimes and have resigned in disgrace, I hope that they they won't come back because, frankly, my tax money goes to pay for their salaries and they're they're implementing policies which do not uh, do not uh, support the value which I hold important. Absolutely, me too. Down the road, Rob Walker will be back too as soon as he gets out of jail. Watch. (laughs) <laughs> very, very upsetting. I, I want to switch for a minute um, to something that is fairly new. I, I read that Kathleen Rice uh, is not running for re-election. And, and of course, Thomas Tom Swazi isn't either. There are a number of uh, representatives, and they're all Democrats. Thirty uh, of them. And so, but I'm talking about Long Island here. Yeah, why, I don't know, but I'm just saying in general, it's 30. Yeah, and it's all so why... Why are Swazi and particular Rice not re, not running for re-election? Well, I have a theory, um, and my theory is, and it's not any one specific candidate, but like I said, there's 30 congressional Democrats that are not running for re-election. I think they're afraid they're going to be massacred in the 2022 election. And Nassau, County, and Nassau County, you don't think Kathleen Rice or whoever runs on the Democratic ticket in Nassau County, you don't think will be reelected? Um, I don't I don't know what the polling is yet. Remember, the districts have all been uh, reconfigured. That's true. Yes. So um, the fear of the unknown, I think, is also a great part of it, too. You see, if it would have been the other con- the way the districts were originally configured, yeah, probably that would have been a, a slam dunk. But let's get realistic. Swazi's district is, is totally changed, and so has Kathleen Rice's. So I think it I think it behooves them in some respect to say, you know what? Let me go out a winner, see how the chips fall, and we'll see what I can do next. That's kind of personally. Oh, Swazi, I understand he's running for governor, whether he'll win or not is another thing. But I heard Kathleen Rice did not say what she's going to do next. It's not like she has an exit plan. So, all right. So let's move then to who might be the up and coming um, uh, people running from uh, the Democratic ticket in place of Swazi and Rice. Who do you think they'll be? I don't. There's a lot of people. um running for uh, Swazi's spot uh, was uh, Josh Lafrazan, who was one of the, uh, who's an independent Democrat, independent, but caucuses with the Democrats. Uh, I think it's his spot. Yeah, I think it's Swazi's spot he's running for. He's a county legislator. He's got, you know, he's got a little uh, uh, build up good, but there's so many people. It's, you know, what's going to happen? It's going to come down to, whatever primary has to be done. You know, who's going to get out the best message? What I hope anybody running, regardless of party, you know, I, I, I think the Democrats have a horrible messaging problem. They need to be clear and concise with their message. They need to be able to get it to the masses. Uh, 
but sometimes you have to be a little more forceful with the way they message. Sometimes they're a little too preachy, I think would be the way I would put it. Uh, most most people in polls will, polls will back me up on this so that they feel that um, the Democrats are a little too preachy, a little too much telling somebody what's best for them, not telling them what they're going to do. Where the Republicans are in polling shows that they fearmonger more and they frighten voters into coming out, like I was saying before. So what they have to do is they have to, the Democrats have to counter the fear-mongering with facts, okay? They have to say, you know, you know, this person is not telling you the truth because most of the time they come off with, this is what's best for you. And, you know, we know, you know, you don't know better than what I have to go through every day. No politician knows. You assume, but you only assume what's, in your, in sometimes what's the politician's best interest? They tow a party line. They say, you know, they, they, if you look, regardless, Republican or Democrat, they speak the same exact thing uh, about a subject. It's always the same talking points because they have these pollsters. They have these people that, uh, you know, know what words and what phrases resonate. Like they did defund the police, which was never going to happen. No. But it was a catchphrase, and people jumped on it. Okay, they talk about now critical race theory, which is not a thing in younger schools. It's Correct. my understanding you're an attorney. It has to do with graduate school to be an attorney. Correct. It's catchphrases. That's what they love to do. The, re- the Democrats don't know how to counter that properly. Well, I think I, I don't want to get into critical race theory. No, 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 no. I think I'm just fact, an example. Right. I think the fact that um, the message, this is what I hear you saying, Carl, it's, it's how the message is communicated. So we're Correct. not looking that, that determines things. So it, we're not looking at the quality of the candidate. We're not even looking at what the party stands for or what the candidate stands for. What I hear you saying, and actually this is resonating with me, is how well the candidate is coached by an ec- a communications expert to say what people want to hear. And that right. I think is pathetic because really the job of a politician is sometimes hard. Sometimes you have to do what is not politically uh, uh, good. I mean, I'm sorry, right. not politically acceptable in order to do the common good, to get the common good uh, advanced. So I, oh, I just yes, hope okay. it's not negative again. There's way no, too much it's, negativity. It's going to get negative. Uh, the, well, 2022 is this year is going to be bad. Well, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for a real election for judges. As you know, there's so much cross endorsement. We don't elect our judges. Really, the party hacks do. So I'm waiting for that to change. And we're going to move on. We could talk about this all day. We're going to move on to. We can do a part two on another day. It's fine. We're going to move on to the new cannabis law. So Nassau County, most of the towns and cities have opted out of legal sales of cannabis. And frankly, I don't know why, because we're going to suffer a great loss of revenue. And it's not even about possession. I just did an episode with a cannabis attorney. You can go to Queens. You can go to town of Babylon or any of the town, the few towns who have legalized the sale. They're the ones getting the money. And then you buy, you buy your product 
and you drive back to uh, Franklin Square and, and you haven't done anything wrong. So why why is that a good thing that Nassau County is losing out on all that tax revenue? Because they were scared of the people against it. The people that are ultra conservative, all right, who jump up and down, much like they did with the mask mandates for their student, you know, don't, they're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. If it's not the permitting of the businesses, the town of Hempstead is going to lose so much money because they have to be permitted. Then you, you know how many people they would have to, they'd have to hire people to make sure that these permits are right, that they grow properly. The amount of revenue that's going to be is going to be insane. And I truly predict at some point, the federal government is going to decriminalize marijuana as a, a class one not, uh, drug. Because- right. No, but wait, hold, on, hold on one second. Before you get there, yeah. I don't no. think this is about- how you or I or anyone else feels about cannabis. I don't smoke cannabis. That's not what this is about. This is about getting revenue where somebody yeah. else is getting it anyway. So yeah. why shouldn't that be us? That's because what it's about. Afraid of getting voted out of office by the people that don't want it. All the people that bet, you know, you know, bang their pots and pans that this is a gateway drug and this is what's gonna happen. Okay. Statistics don't prove any of what they say. It's is a gateway drug. You know, they're going to start with marijuana, and next thing you know, they're going to be shooting heroin. It doesn't work like that. You know, there's a lot of steps in between. Right. I mean, so, you know, so we're back to know, we're back to the politicians doing right. what what they think the voters want, as opposed to doing the right thing. And I want to I want to ask you as a Yeah, go ahead. Just let me jump on one thing. If you notice. Okay, they went against the cannabis ruling, right? Because it's not socially acceptable. Yet they openly herald having sports betting in New York State, which is socially acceptable. That's what it comes down to. What is a social norm? People equate somebody that uses uh, cannabis as less than. And they don't want to go. They still have that reefer madness, 1930s vision of what marijuana is. It's nothing like that. Okay, so that's that's my two cents on that. Now, go ahead. Your next. Yeah, no, I was going to say you're a former corrections officer. And one of the issues that's come as a result of the cannabis laws. What about all of those people who were convicted under Hmm. penal code of not only possession, but sale where it was uh, illegal? under, you know, under the three ounces or whatever that amount was. Mm-hmm. Now, supposedly, their records are going to be expunged. I'm sure you saw a lot of those people in the Nassau County Jail. More, more than should have been. I'll give you, now you're going to touch on a very touchy subject, bail reform. Which bail reform reason, and, social, and social equity. Which How was another reason yeah. that, uh, that put a nail in Curran's coffin a little bit because of uh, bail reform. You know, they kept saying... I, like I said in the last podcast, I think it was that we spoke about, bail reform in Nassau County has been in place since ni- uh, since 2015, when they did the uh, the uh, was low bail and no bail was an under the table deal that uh, Spizzato, when he was sheriff, made with the uh, the administrative judge. So it's always existed, but it's a good thing to uh, rally the troops. So. Uh, but Laura Curran had nothing to do with the bail reform law. That was from Albany. 
but she has a D at the end of her name. And you had Todd Kaminsky running for DA, who was bail reform. So it kind of rolls downhill. In this case, it rolled uphill. It's, you know, it kind of crushed the whole thing. Well, for him, he's out of public office. I've, I've, I read in Newsday, he's done. He's going to go into private practice, I guess, make the bucks, and he's out of public service. I mean, I, I don't want to get into Todd Kaminsky, no. but aren't these the people who, who we want to be in public office people who he's never been, to my knowledge, he's never been accused of stealing or of, of committing crimes. I mean, okay, you don't agree with him maybe on some things, but he seems fairly ethical. Isn't that someone we want to encourage to stay in, in uh, public service? It is until you get there. Okay. Um... Anybody that's, I, I don't oh, listen, I was probably to blame for myself when I ran, trying to be too idealistic that, yes, I'm, you know, you're going to change the system in X, Y, Z. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, after a while, and I think this also has a lot to do with the people that are not going to run for re-election too, in some respects, is you're tired of banging your head against the wall and realizing, you know what? For all the good I do, and I've helped all these people, they're quiet. They thank me and they move on. It's the people that aren't getting their way that cause the biggest problems. And you know what? Sometimes you just have to say enough. I have to take my time away, uh, refocus my attention, and maybe come back in a later time and run. You know, sometimes it's like that. Um, anybody that's really enjoys doing it and is getting job the job done, they're going to burn them out at some point. You know, there was a there was a m movie back in the eighties, I think. Uh, with uh, Eddie Murphy about how he won Congress by because of his name. And when he got there, he realized it was such a, it was a con. You know, everything is, who's backslapping this person and glad handing this. And he, you know, he worked the system. That's just how you have to, and that's, it's the system. And, you, you know, it's hard to circumnavigate it sometimes. Or once you do, you just get tired. Right. Well, we're going to, I'm tired of talking about politics. We're going to talk about a few other things, but I, I think we'll revisit this when, I don't know if this May, I don't know if this May there are school board elections or next May, but I'm very interested to see what's going to, what's going to happen with the school boards in light of the problems, you know, across the country. But let's move on to the Long Island Railroad, uh, which is a, a fixture here on Long Island. Philip Ang has retired. New president is Catherine Rinaldi, the first female president. She was formerly the president of Metro North. Ang spearheaded the East Side Access Project, which will expand Long Island Railroad Service to Grand Central Station to be completed later this year. That's good. Um, yes. Ridership is down, mainly due to COVID, people not going into Manhattan mm -hmm. to work or for other reasons. How, what does the future hold for the Long Island Railroad? Well, uh, I think it's, that's a very complicated um, question, but I can, uh, as simply as I can put it, okay. I think the Long Island Railroad ridership will start to, in, uh, start to increase again. Now, maybe not to the capacity it was because the restrictions are being listed. Some companies, people are going back to, but a lot are staying remote because companies are saving money, truthfully, by having their workers work from home. So, um, I think that'll happen. But also, you got a, a Long Island Railroad building that third track that they're going to use mainly, my understanding, was for freight and stuff coming in. 
so it's a it's a uh, a good line to get stuff back out into the island and you know there's a federal uh, express and amazon distribution centers out by beth page and other so i think i i think their focus will shift a little truthfully because if you don't it i think most companies in long island railroad is a company let's get realistic uh learned if you don't pivot you die so they're going to i think they're going to utilize it uh a lot more uh, for different, different. I, I hear what you're know, saying, avenues. and the Long Island Railroad, whether a company or otherwise, is is a utility. I mean, it should be for the yeah. for the common good. And I do see that the under DeJoy, the U.S. Postal Service has has definitely sure. pivoted toward freight and through packages. I guess because that is uh, more lucrative than regular letters. But I just want to bring up one more thing in the Long Island Railroad, and we'll move on. Yeah. Just because we've talked about ethical problems, the Long Island Railroad is is constantly beset by ethical problems. The most recent, I read in, again in Newsday, Thomas Caputo, an employee, committed overtime fraud. He was able to, while he was at home watching TV, he racked up and, and received $345,000 but he only had to pay back $19,000 and he still gets his full pension. Okay, he has to serve eight months in jail, which doesn't seem like a lot. It just seems to me the Long Island Railroad, like everything else going on here, needs to be cleaned up a bit. So, but I wanna move on to the police because this is our last issue um, okay. for today. Newsday reported on a cover up by Suffolk County Police of an investigation involving a drunken off-duty Nassau County police officer who beat up a person. Mm -hmm. Nassau Internal Affairs knew about it, did nothing. Suffolk County Police did nothing. The DA's offices did nothing. The officers who covered up what happened were promoted. So my last question, unless there's something else you wanna discuss, how can the public trust the police and the DA's office, the district attorney's offices, when they're the ones breaking the law to protect one of their own? Well, um, I could say that um, that is probably a problem that is older than time itself. Is, is that I mean, specific to Long Island or you see that no. as a problem throughout the, no. the country? No, 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 no. This is, you know, it, listen, I've been in law enforcement a long time. Um, People, you know, there's that courtesy, you know, oh, man, do me a favor, you know. I I have seen aspects where, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, but what their right thing and what the truly right thing to do are two different things. You know, people, cops especially have a, have to, uh, people have to understand that um, when they call on the radio, they want to make sure somebody's going to show up. And if you're constituted as somebody that is, you know, not going to play ball, you know, people move a little slower. But this this whole situation is very intricate, okay? And with this many people involved, I'm surprised somebody hasn't called the Justice Department to come in and investigate, personally. Um, I was internal affairs in the Sheriff's Department for five years. So uh, I've dealt with many different agencies and stuff. You know, we never let anybody... You know, I've never let anybody uh, get away with, you know, I cleared more officers because they were telling the truth and those that were lying because not everything is black and white. You're an attorney. You know, there's three sides to every story. Their story, you know, this one's story and the truth. You have to find somewhere in the middle to meet. Um, 
this this is a very complicated situation that uh, only time will tell because we can't we don't know what was in the minds of everybody that was there. We don't know what the situation was because we weren't there. We're only addressing a subject based on what's been reported. Now, if we had copies of the reports and stuff like that, yes, we could come up with a hypothesis that would definitely point to a situation. We'd be able to build a timeline to know who said what to whom and when. You know, that's that's how you build something like this. I mean, to do people, uh, Nassau County's done it. We had a police, we had a deputy police commissioner that crashed his car by uh, Roosevelt Field many years ago. He was coming back from a retirement party. He was a little uh, inebriated. That got swept under the rug. He was able to retire. You know, it's just, you know, it's. So, Carl, it's it all you know. It's all who you know. Is that what this is about? You see that that upsets me because I think if we if we are if we want to trust the police and the DA's office and the powers that be, then we have to think they're doing things for the right reason. And what I'm hearing, are. hold well, on, the majority of the people are doing what they do. See, there's a there's a uh, there's a phrase in county government. Regardless, any government, you F up, you move up. Those that have screwed up the work get promoted. They get moved on, get rid of. So those people become in charge. So now here I am, Joe, Joe Blow, and I'm an officer, and I come across this officer that from is off duty and crashes his car. Now I have a boss that comes up who is not the smartest bulb on the tree, but had a good Saturday and passed a test comes to me and goes, look the other way. What is that young officer, as we call slick sleeve, no, no stripes, no nothing, supposed to do? He's supposed to do his job and listen to his boss. So never fault the officer responding all the time. 90% of those people out there are doing the right thing. It's the people who are in charge that are the problem. Okay, so how do we, get, how do we switch over the people in charge who are doing the wrong thing? Well, then that's a, that's a whole... They're not going anywhere. Listen, people should be, my opinion, people should be promoted not exclusively on a test that they had a good Saturday. Some people are great test takers, but awesome officers, but they can't take a test to save their life. I think many factors should be included. Merit, uh, what they've done. You know, it's a history. You know, we used to do, uh, we used to do, um, you know, evaluations for your bosses to do. So, uh, see what kind of an officer you are. They don't do that anymore because half the time that officer, that sergeant doesn't work with that officer. So he's just checking boxes. It doesn't. When Swazi was in office, he did a thing where he wanted the county employees that were doing exemplary jobs to get merit pay. I was working in HR for the sheriff's department back then, and we had to all the bosses had to do these these uh, you know uh, reports on all the officers were they doing their job effectively and da 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 da. It became a checkbox. They made everybody perfect. Nobody is perfect. <laughs> Nobody. But all these people were perfect. But yet, if you look, they had disciplinaries longer than my arm. You know, it's just, it's a broken system. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't think anybody knows how to fix it. I think they just live with it well, and work in it. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that there will be up and coming, whether young or, you know, middle aged people who say, 
I've had enough and I'm not going to take it anymore and that they'll run. Okay. I agree. And, and I think with that, that's the end uh, for us okay. for this episode, for our 59th episode. Thank you so much, Carl Gerardo, for coming on the podcast today. The LA Law Podcast keeps you updated on Long Island legal developments and is your podcast for local tips, which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening. Thank you.